0: it's richard ellis talks with founding pastor of reunion church in the heart of downtown dallas richard ellis whether you find yourself in a good place or a difficult place perhaps even in a very lonely place you've come to the right place a place to hear that you matter to hear that you're loved and that's something everyone desperately needs to hear now if you're not able to enjoy today's entire program, just go to the website, richardellistalks.com. All of these video talks plus hundreds of audio talks are waiting to encourage you, challenge you, and to give you hope at Talks.com. So with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is God Don't Never
1: Change. In a world where everything changes, is there anything or anyone that doesn't change? And the answer is yes. God don't never change. Never changes. Our world is ever changing. Our God is never changing. You say, well, what difference does that make? When everything around you is upside down, everything is changing so quickly, there has to be a rock. There has to be a foundation. You have to know that certain things are true. You have to know that when God tells you something that he's not going to change his mind on that. Uh, go to Numbers chapter 23. We're going to start as we normally do and go left to right through the, through the scriptures. Uh, in Numbers chapter 23 verse 19, it says this, God is not a man that he should lie. So he's not going to tell you something and then you find out he was lying, nor a son of a man that he should repent. And the word repent means simply to change your mind. So he's not a son of a man man, that he should change his mind. So God's not going to lie and he's not going to tell you something that said, oh, I got that wrong. I changed my mind. Has he said and will he not do? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? So you can trust God. He is not going to change. He is he, he is the rock. He's the slab. He's the foundation. He is the one that you can trust. Uh, God never repents. You say, well, what do you mean God never repents? He never changes his mind. He never has to change his mind. Uh, when someone needs to change, you can be sure that we are the ones that need to change. We must always repent. We must we must always change our minds. And there's really no way to even become a Christian unless you're willing to repent. You have, you've got to change your mind. You've got to say, God, I'm wrong. You're right. I thought I could save me. I realize only you can save me. And so you change your mind about him and what he's trying to tell you. Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31 um, Go to verse one, and we'll read down through this. Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Uh, Tremendous statement there in verse three. The Lord God himself crosses over before you. Uh, We know in the New Testament that God is not just with us, he is in us. And in this picture here, he's not just with them in the Old Testament, literally he's gone before him. You have to know that God is way ahead of us. There's no, there's no surprises. As I said the other day, this is, this is all a replay, a rerun for him. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He already knows how this all turns out. He's waiting to see if we're going to trust him in the storm, through the storm, to the other side of the storm, knowing that he is way out in front of us uh, and, and, and has got it covered. Uh, J- Joshua, go down to verse... Uh, Joshua himself, in verse 3, Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land when the Lord destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. And then verse 6, great stuff to underline if you're comfortable highlighting stuff in your Bible. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now I'll read you this same phrase in the New Testament in just a minute. That is a huge thing to remember. He will go before you, be strong, be courageous, don't be afraid, why? For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So you start feeling like I'm alone. And literally, if you are alone somewhere, you start really feeling alone, like maybe even God's ditched on you. It's not true. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Um. The word forsake is a very interesting word. It means to abandon someone or something or renounce or give up something valued or pleasant. He is not going to leave you and he is not going to abandon you or renounce you. You say, but I've done stupid things, I'm doing stupid things. He is not that kind of God. If he tells you that he loves you, he tells you that we have a relationship, he's not breaking up with you. You try to break up with him, even if you break up with him and you're a Christian, you can't break up with him. You're stuck with him for eternity. Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. Malachi 3, literally spits this out. Malachi 3, 6, and he says this. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. The consistency, the unchanging quality of God. I am the Lord, I do not change. You can depend on him. In John chapter 14, um, Jesus is about to be arrested pretty soon. He's about to be crucified, buried, raised from the dead. Everything's going to change. It's hard to even comprehend if you're on the planet and one day you meet a guy named Jesus and he says, follow me and you follow him. And all of a sudden you realize this guy's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. This is it. And you choose to give your life to this man for three years, every day, he sends you out, come back, you stay with him, and then it gets to the end and it looks like it's all going to fall apart. Um, even Peter denies him three times. It's, it's not going well. And, and they're thinking maybe about a kingdom and a throne and Jesus, and it turns out he's going to die. Then he's buried, raised from the dead. And even with all of that, they're, they're a little nervous. Like, what's going to happen? And he knows this is coming. He knows they're going to feel this way. And so in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. And this word, another helper, is, is the, another one just like, just like him. So it's, 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 the, it's like having him just in another person. And it is another person, the Holy Spirit. That he may abide with you forever forever the Son of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. So you know him, because he dwells with you, and this is an Old Testament principle, and will be in you. So a lot of people think, well, the disciples were Christians um, when they followed Jesus. There were no Christians till after the resurrection. Uh, The Holy Spirit has to live in you, so then that's when this will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So that is not going to change. He will not abandon you. He is going to not change how he thinks about you, how he feels about you. He is going to stay with us and stay in us, as the Scripture says. Hebrews chapter 6. Go to Hebrews chapter 6, and let's start in verse 13. And it picks up here. For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. And this is very interesting because when you swear, and and I'm a a yes, let your yes be yes, let your no be no person. um, And I don't go around swearing. Oh, I, I swear to God. You hear people say this. I swear to God that this is true. Or I swear on my mother's grave. Just people come up with crazy stuff. If it's true, just say the truth. But God here, trying to reemphasize this oath, this this thing that he's saying to Abraham. He says, "...because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself." In other words, I swear by myself as God that this is what I'm doing. And he says, saying, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. So if God says that and he doesn't change, then what is going to happen? Then he's going to bless him. Blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. It's got to happen because he swore by himself that that's what he was going to do. So when God tells you something, he doesn't change his mind. He's going to do that. Verse 15, and so after he had patiently endured, talking about Abraham, he obtained the promise. Very simple statement. So you say, well, I, I believe that I found promises in the scriptures. I think God's told me some things, and, and I'm standing on those promises. What's wrong? Why hasn't it happened? You've got you to do some patient enduring. You have to wait. You have to be patient. And, and in his time, what he promised will come to pass. So simple statement, so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise for men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So if you swear, you know, literally people say, I swear to God. You say, well, I guess you can't swear by anything bigger. It must be true or they never would have invoked that. Thus God, determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirming it by an oath, that by two immutable things, his word, and these two things are his word and his oath, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Um, now let me just insert this because we've thrown in this immutable thing. There's a word, the immutability of God, and that simply means the quality of not changing. I am not immutable. I change. I change my mind. A lot of change. God does not change. He is immutable. And that's why it uses this word here immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, then what does that mean for us? We might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Uh, Refuge cities in the Old Testament, people got in trouble, they could flee to this city. It It was literally a place where they could find refuge and be safe. So what if we, we have strong consolation. We know we're going to be okay because of who he is and what he said, and he doesn't lie. And we have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. So we, you, you just have to patiently endure. You have to wait for him to show up and answer it. But you can't sit around thinking it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It is going to happen because he keeps his word. Keep reading. Verse uh, 19 this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Um, If you've ever been on a ship, they drop an anchor, uh, even a small boat. That anchor drags, catches something, and that boat is not moving unless you know how to get that anchor loose. And the hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. So because of what God has said, what he's offered us, how we can depend on him, this hope we have is an anchor of the soul, sure, steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So what do you have? What is, what is, uh, the presence behind the veil. The presence behind the veil in the Old Testament in the the, uh, temple was the presence of God. So what does all this give you access to? It gives us access to the Father, to the throne room, to the very presence of God. And once you get there, there's nowhere else to go. Hebrews chapter 13, uh, turn over there if you've got a Bible there following along. Hebrews chapter 13, verse one. Here the writer says, Let brotherly love continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for for by so doing some have unwittingly entertained angels. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And then verse 5, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, and look where he brings this in from the Old Testament, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The worst thing that could happen to me ends up being the best thing that could happen to me in eternity with God. Seeing my Lord um, and anything between there, here and there for whatever comes my way, trying to be wise. God is going to use whatever he allows to happen to me and wherever he puts me in that circumstance to impact other people around me. Remember those, verse 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So some of this, you just say, well, you know, What do I do? Well, some of it you can look around and say, what are the people who are leading you are doing? They've spoken to you the word of God whose faith follow considering the outcome of their conduct. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I never am afraid of anything. I don't, I don't get afraid very easily. And I have come too far with my God I have seen him show up too much in my life. He has provided too long, too much, has cared for me, sustained me, comforted me, reassured me. I I don't spook easy. And you say, "Well, you've never had this." I've I've had a virus in my lifetime, went down the Amazon, got some bug, came back and almost died. And they the the, the disease guys couldn't even figure out what it was. Drove the guy crazy because he wanted to name everything. Maybe I've got something named after me. They still don't know what it was. I remember laying in a hospital bed and, and was so sick, I can still see a, one of the gentlemen that came to see me t- texted me just a little while ago. And I can still see him coming in that room and feeling that I didn't have the strength. I could barely speak. I don't remember much of what happened. I was so weak. This is, it's not that I wanted to die. I did not even have the strength to try to live. And this is a very odd place to be if you've ever been there. You just, even if you wanted to fight, you got no fight. And I remember laying in that bed, kind of praying and thinking, I may not make it. Um, this could be it. I might be out of here, but there's nothing I can do about it. I have been raised up We used to make fun of my mom, because she'd say, I'm so glad to be alive. She'd always say that. That's actually on her, that's the marker on her tombstone of all places. We put it on her grave, because that's what she said so much, and she's more alive than ever. After I got sick and he raised me up, I started feeling that way. I knew what she meant. I'm so glad to be alive. So you say, well, even if death comes your way or sickness or whatever it may be, he is not just going to be with you. If you're a Christian, he is in you. He is going through that with you. And if, he, if it's your time, you're out of here. If it's not your time, he will take care of you. He will take you through it. You're going to be okay. Trust him. Trust him. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So look around at people. You say, well, I'm discouraged. And find somebody, call somebody who leads, someone who you can follow and say, look, I'm I'm struggling. And, and talk about it. Let him remind you of who he is and what's going on. And so after verse 7, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And then this profound, just, Timeless statement, verse eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Immutable, unchanging. He's the same God. He's not up there cramming in heaven trying to figure out what computers can do. He knows everything. He, he knows what's coming, He, he's, he just, he's like a parent that watches kids about to discover some new thing, gonna figure out how to walk, gonna figure out how to talk, how to open something. He's seen it all, he knows what we're about to do before it even happens. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change. He has not changed. It is not possible. He is consistent. He's got you. You're going to be okay. James chapter 1, and down, let's go down to verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. So this is written to Christians. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights and this is how he's described. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creation. And this word here where he says there is no variation or shadow of turning, there is no fickleness. Uh, well, I said I was going to do that, but now I don't think I want to do that anymore. He is unchanging. And, and what, the way he's described as the father of lights um, everything in one interpretation of this is the sun, every light in the sky he 's the father of those, but he is not like them. The sun you know we we spin, we go around, the sun sets rises, sets the lights change shadow of turning with him it 's solid light it's unchanging, there is no variation, there is no shadow of turning and that's where the stuff comes from. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning, um, no variableness, no fickleness. And then verse uh, 17 of James. Of, uh, let me just read it to you in the Amplified Bible, verse 17 of James 1:17. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, it comes down from the Father of lights, and comments there, the creator and sustainer of the heavens, of whom there is no variation, no rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning, for he is perfect and never changes. That's our God. Um, In 1929, Blind Willie Johnson recorded the gospel blues song, God Don't Never Change. And I encourage you to write this down and go listen to this song. It's uh, obviously from 1929. The recordings are pretty um, old. But the title was God Don't Never Change. Um, And it was after the influenza pandemic of 1918 to 1920 And as I read this song, you'll see that he even mentions that in the song. He says, yes, God, God don't never change. He's God, always will be God. God in the middle of the ocean, God in the middle of the sea, the helper of the great creator, truly been a God to me. Hey, God, God don't never change. God always will be God. God in creation, God when Adam fell, God way up in heaven, God way down in hell. He's God. God don't never change. God always will be God. Spoke to the mountain, said, how great I am. Want you to get up this morning, skip around like a lamb. Well, he's God. God don't never change. God always will be God. God in the time of sickness. God in the doctor, too. In the time of the influenza, he truly was a God to you. Well, he's God, God don't never change. He's God, always will be God. God in the pulpit, God way down at the door. He's God in the amen corner, God all over the floor. Well, he's God, God don't never change. God always will be God. Now it's possible that uh, all this doesn't apply to you. And you say, well, how would that be possible? because I'm speaking about a God who cares about his people. But in order to be one of his people, you say, well, I was made by God, everybody created by God. But it's one thing to be born physically, it's another thing to be born spiritually. And it's possible that if if you've only been born physically and not been born the second time, as the scripture describes it in John chapter three, that this doesn't apply to you. You say, well, isn't he gonna take care of me? Let me tell you something about God. He takes care of his kids. I'm one of his kids. You say, well, you think you're better than me. It has nothing to do with that. You can be one of his kids too if you choose to be born into his family. You say, well, how do you do that? It's, it's a simple acceptance of what he offers. He says, look, I love you. I've orchestrated this all of, all of human history, all of everything pointing toward Jesus, that he would come, be born of a virgin, live a sinless life suffer and die on the cross, shed his blood to pay for your sins, be buried, raised from the dead. He's conquered sin, death, the grave, everything that you face. And he's ascended into heaven and he's going to come back one day. But if you don't know him and you don't accept the payment that he made on your behalf, you're not going to make it. And not just are you not going to make it on the other side. you're not going to make it the same way down here. You say, but but I think he's been kind to me. He's been merciful to you if you don't know him and you're still alive. I strongly recommend, short of stomping and screaming and begging, I strongly recommend today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. And if all of this has been brought about and God allowed all this to get your attention, to maybe help you stop and think, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know really who I am. I don't know how to deal with my past. I don't know about my future. If I died, I don't know where I'd go. You don't have to live in that kind of fear. I don't live in that fear. And I'm no better than anyone else. I do know this, that if I get sick today and I die in a few days, I will spend eternity in heaven with God, not because I'm a good guy, but because he is a good God. And he offered me the gift of eternal life And I said, how could I pass up on a deal like this? So if that's something you'd like to do, and that's something in your heart, this is how simple it is. He's offering you the gift of eternal life. You cannot pay for it. There's nothing you can offer him in return except your, in my case, my sorry self. And you just have to say, God, I, I see that you love me. I believe that. And I see now why Jesus came, why he lived, why he suffered and died to pay for my sin And he's offered me eternal life, the forgiveness of my sin. I accept. I ask you to come live in me. Not just be near me, around me, trying to get my attention, but now I need you in me so that I know that when I pass through the valley of the shadow of death one day, I will fear no evil because you're with me, but you're also in me as a Christian. Um, I accept the gift of eternal life. I accept the forgiveness of my sins. I, I ask you to take residence in me in the person of the Holy Spirit and change me from the inside out and show me how to live and thank you that I have an answer now when I die. That simple. You say, it can't be that simple, it can't be that easy. Easy for who? Easy for you, you accepted the gift. Not so easy for God. It cost him his son to make all this possible. So don't let that be a waste in your life. Don't let all this change, all this these, these challenges be a waste in your life. Let him change you from the inside and let the unchanging God, God who won't never change, change your life um, for the good and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the encouragement of who you are and what it is you're up to in the world and the things that you allow to get our attention and to teach us. And uh, I pray that the, the circumstances we're in would be just that, and that you would raise us up from all this, Lord, stronger, more committed, um, and in some cases for people who might have just prayed a moment ago and accepted this priceless gift of eternal life that you bought and paid for with your own life, Lord Jesus. um, Someone has changed, and it might have taken this to do it. So uh, we love you. We pray that you would use us. Maybe we are not physically with people, but I pray that you would prompt us, Lord, to text people, call people, write people, whatever it is that we can do to make sure they're okay and and always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's within us as believers. You're the best. Thank you that you never change. You're dependable. You're not fickle. You're not going to leave us, forsake us, abandon us. And we can be content because we know that you are our God. You are our help. We have no reason to be afraid. And remind us of that not just this day, but in the days ahead. And use us, Lord, uh, in the days ahead to show people that there's more than hope. There's help. There's promise of eternal life and abundant life between here and there. And we pray it all in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. We'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime on the website richardellistalks.com. There you'll find the full version of today's talk, plus hundreds more of Richard's challenging and encouraging audio and video talks. Then discover over a thousand cities where Richard Ellis Talks is broadcast or you can share a request on the prayer wall. Plus, if you'd like to consider a gift, learn how to join the financial partnership team and so much more at richardellistalks.com. So let's meet again here next time to talk about how God is ready to change your life, starting today with Richard Ellis Talks.